right. Uh, welcome to Edge Work. I'm in an internet outage. So I thought I'd make use of the, the time by chatting with you fine people. Or, uh, or at you fine people, I guess. Uh, it's funny... Back home in Florida, uh, sometime, uh, I think it was last year, there was a tornado that came through town, and uh, it didn't hurt anyone I know or their property, but my ex is, uh, I'm friends with my ex and her her apartment complex, one of, a couple of her neighbors uh, lost their roof, and and their, you know, a lot of their belongings, because there was no roof, um... That wasn't good. That was actually in the national news. There was there was footage of uh, her neighborhood, but in my neighborhood everything was okay. Uh, some trees were down. There was there was some wind damage, but but the power was out for not not even very long. I think I lost power for like four or five hours. But what struck me about that is how clear my thought was. Uh, how how well I could think. I actually ended up writing. A whole story in my head uh, when I, I lie down I laid down just to, to take a nap or something I ended up writing a whole story very clearly uh, I ended up forgetting it later of course but um, it reminded me as well years ago a, a, a storm came through I think it was Ivan came through Florida I was living in, in Pensacola or Milton at the time which is right next to Pensacola it's essentially as far west in Florida as you can get. It's in the central time zone, uh, which people generally don't believe when I tell them that, that Florida has parts of it that are in central, but it does. Anyway, uh, the power was out for like two weeks after that one, after Ivan. Uh, I don't know. I think that was around 2004 or something. And there were a couple things I remember about that. Uh, I, I really enjoyed it. The, the thing that I remember, I remember very clearly being disappointed when the power came back on. It was, it was actually kind of heartbreaking. At the time, I was staying with uh, my dad, and a lot of the family was staying with my dad because he had a newish, bigger uh, house that was big enough to house us. So a lot of us who lived in the area went to his place to, to ride out the storm. The apartment that I was living in uh, survived, but the complex was pretty messed up. Some of, some of my neighbors had trees through their living rooms um the uh, parking lot was totally blocked by by trees for a while i, I want to say probably a couple weeks or something um and yeah at my dad's house we lost power what was interesting is there was like we could see just a street or two over they had power uh but i guess because of the way the grid is set up or something we didn't we had a generator though a gas generator that was running on diesel so that was good but there were some things that that, that were really good about about that experience. For one, uh, we spent a lot of family time together. I think we played Risk a lot or some other board game. We talked a lot, sat outside and played guitars with the neighbors. Uh, the neighbor was kind of a douche, but that's okay. You know, we we still sat around playing guitars, and that that's pretty cool. Um, at one point, the McDonald's in town opened up miraculously and started serving food they only had a few things but they had my favorite meal at the time back when i used to eat that kind of food um they had uh what was it 
Oh, yeah, quarter. it was a either a quarter pounder or a double quarter pounder with Diet Coke. That was like my my thing. Anyway, um, so I was about 20 at the time. I was better able to tolerate junk food like that. But So, yeah, we did that. One of the things I remember, too, is uh, cold showers. There was no hot water. So we, we took cold showers in the dark with a flashlight or a candle. And cold showers are, are really hard to do. I don't know if you've ever done it, but I recommend you, you give it a shot. Um, you end up being really fast and efficient. You move quickly. You just do what's necessary to get in there and, and get done and get out. But what struck me most about it is how great I felt after the shower. I mean, I felt just amazing, like Superman. And that's what people say. Or actually, I don't, I don't know if people say that, but people say in general cold showers are good for you. Ice baths are good for you. Um, there's a guy, Wim Hof, who, who, who's often touting the benefits of ice, but it's not just him. I mean, lots of people say that. Apparently, it's good for inflammation. It's great for the immune system. Uh, really, really cold water is good for the immune system. I don't know why. Uh, good for the skin. It tightens up the skin. Hot water is actually particularly bad for the skin. It causes dehydration and, and other stuff. Um, but yeah, cold showers, man, you just, you just feel so great when you get out of it. And I'm sure part of it's adrenaline, too, because it's so traumatic, you know? Like, it's such a difficult uh, physiological experience and psychological, kind of forcing yourself through it. Um, but I also remember when the power was out, I slept incredibly incredibly well. Like, I don't remember sleeping that well before or since. It was amazing. I just felt so rested every day when I woke up. And I was thinking, you know, a lot of it's psychological. Um, of course, you know, you have fewer distractions. This was 2004, so really there weren't that many. I mean, the internet was distracting, but not like it is today. Like, smartphones and stuff didn't even exist yet. Or maybe the first iPhone existed. I don't know when that came out. I didn't have an iPhone until much, much later, many years later. But, uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm sure a lot of it is psychological, but I, I started to think that maybe there's something else, like electromagnetic interference or maybe Wi-Fi signals. Like, maybe there's something else going on when there's power, when we have all these appliances that affects us in a way that we're not directly aware of. Like, like it affects our physiology or something and, and doesn't have a, a, a necessarily a direct impact on our consciousness to the, to the point that we would notice it uh, until it's gone, you know. But I think a good way to explore that possibility is to go camping. Now, even camping in most places, there's going to be some kind of something. There's going to be cell signal or uh, if I have my cell phone on me, then the radiation from the cell phone will, will be there. But I, I expect it will be a pretty profound experience. Regardless, uh, speaking of the outdoors, there's some stuff I'd really like to experience. Sort of changing topics here. Um, I'm thinking about living as a digital nomad for a while. I'm not. I'm not sure if I mentioned that before, but uh, I'd like to to move around a lot, and I'd like to to see the world while I work. And in particular, there are a couple things I'd really like to see in person. Uh, one of them is the Northern Lights. Right? How cool is that? In fact, I just read recently that the Northern Lights might have been visible last night from some parts of New York State. I'm in the city right now. We would not have been able to see it, but parts of the state, maybe Albany, um, could have possibly seen it because there was a giant electromagnetic storm because we had two big solar flares yesterday. But anyway, I would love to see the Northern Lights. If you've never seen them from space, I recommend you find some videos of that. It's really something else. It's beautiful beautiful to see the northern lights from space 
Anyway, that's one of the things on my list. There's another one. Uh, there's a river called Catatumbo in Venezuela. Uh, and Catatumbo is known for its lightning. Uh, apparently, something like... I want to say 200-something days out of the year, there's lightning. And during the peak, it's, it's uh, over 200 times uh, an hour. So... It's or is it a minute? I don't know. It's just basically there's a shitload of lightning in this place. It's some kind of weird natural phenomena. I don't know. I don't know why it is, but uh, I would love to check that out. I'd really like to see that. So that's on my list. Um, another one I'd really like to do is I'd love to learn celestial navigation. This is where you can you can uh, uh, sail a boat using the stars as your guide. You can you can orient yourself with um by knowing the stars and the constellations and you can sail that way you you can get around from place to place now i don't know how to sail so that would be a good first start it's funny there's these things that that are that are so profoundly fun and stimulating i don't even think fun is the right word for it like occasionally you'll have these experiences that elevate you to another plane like you feel really good about the experience and it's it's not just as simple as having fun i mean video games are fun but those rarely elevate me to that plane you know uh like uh kayaking when i when i go kayaking that's one of those things that i just i just feel different like i feel like my world has changed a little bit like i'm everything has kind of shifted um but i feel like sailing might end up being something like that certainly sailing by the stars i mean that's got to be some transformative shit you know so I'd really like to check that out. I think that would be really cool. A friend of mine, uh, Emily, lives in Hawaii, and she says that they, they have uh, courses there. They have classes you can go take. Uh, she sent me a link, actually. So that is something that I would love to pursue. I'm thinking about how, how to do this, this remote stuff. So my job right now, I'm, a, I'm a, an engineer, a QA engineer. I, I test software, basically. And uh, my job lets me work remote. But I, they, their headquarters is here in New York, so I also work in the office a lot. But I need to kind of double-check with them, make sure it's cool. And as long as it's cool with them, then I, I think what, what I might do is just take a while to plan out my, my remote experience uh, to, to really kind of pick out at least maybe a few months at a time. Like, I don't want to constantly travel from place to place every day or every week. I, what I would like to do is camp out in a certain area for a couple months at a time, maybe two or three months in, in different spots. Um, or maybe I could get like a week or two at different places with the option of extending or, or find somewhere nearby that's really cool. Because occasionally you, you'll go somewhere with a plan to stick there for a while and then uh, it kind of sucks. You know, you find something something wrong with it. The first time I came to New York was like that. This was back around 2010. Uh, I just got obsessed with New York. I tend to get obsessed with topics from time to time, and New York was just was just my thing at the time. So I was thinking about moving here back then, and I had never been. So really, I had been not, not many places at that time. Really, I still haven't. I mean, I've been never even been out of North America. I've been to Montreal, but that's, you know, that's not, that's an hour from New York, so... Anyway, I came to New York for the first time, and in advance, I found this really cheap hostel in, in uh, Chinatown, and it was like $80 a night or something, uh, or, yeah, I think it was 80 Anyway, so I got to that place, and 
that was quite an experience. It was like four or five stories. Each floor had 70 rooms and one bathroom that everybody shared per floor. Uh, There were cats wandering the hallways, which was interesting. Uh, the, The rooms, though, were in the floor I was staying... There was no ceiling to the rooms. Like there was a ceiling to the floor, but this is the rooms were just walls and doors, uh, sort of throughout this giant room. And there's just chicken wire for the ceiling. Chicken wire. That was that was the ceiling. Uh, And even then, I wasn't I wasn't like I wasn't ready to to abandon (laughs) the whole thing just yet. But the Wi-Fi didn't work. And I called the front desk, and they, they, they said they were going to send somebody. And I'm like, no, it's, it's not me. It's you. You know, <laughs> It's your Wi-Fi. There's a problem with your Wi-Fi. And I waited a couple hours. They couldn't fix it. I, I left and wandered around Chinatown in the middle of the night. I found a cop on the street, and I was like, hey, I'm new in town. What's going on? It was like 1 a.m., and I'm like, what should I do? Is there any sightseeing? And she was like... No, I really, I don't know, but just be careful, man. And I was like, oh, that's not reassuring. So I went back to my shitty hostel, said hello to the cats. Wi-Fi still wasn't working. So I uh, went online, found a, a, a hotel. Instead of this hostel, I found a beautiful hotel in Times Square called the Paramount, which smells amazing, by the way. I've never smelled a hotel that smelled that good. Anyway, I booked a room for the next four nights. cost me like $1,000 or something. Uh, but it was worth it to get the fuck out of that hostel. Called a cab, checked out, left. Uh, had a great time. Learned a lot about walking shoes. So I was wearing Converse that were fairly new, wandering around New York for four days, three or four days. And it was hell on my feet. I mean, that, that really hurts. If you've never been to New York or if you've never been somewhere where you have to walk around a lot, think about your footwear in advance. What I have found, I've, I actually did a lot of tests. I tried all different kinds of shoes. I tried boots, different kinds of running shoes. I, I tried these uh, Taekwondo shoes. I, ne- I never did Taekwondo, but I love these shoes. They're, these, uh, they're called Quan. Anyway, flip-flops. Flip-flops are the way to go. Assuming the weather permits it, nothing is as ergonomically good when you're just walking around a city as flip-flops. That's the only thing that gave my feet any relief. They felt great when I walk around on flip-flops made my feet more muscular too because they can spread out they can actually kind of grip as you're walking instead of being cramped up you know tied together with laces uh yeah new york was great it was awesome that first time why was i talking oh right because sometimes you you plan ahead your travel but there's only so much you can know until you're there and once you see the chicken wire and the cats and the 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 lack of wi-fi you know, sometimes you just got to pull the plug and move on. So, unless I can get, like, super solid reviews that I can validate from people I trust ahead of time, there aren't many places I would book for, like, a full, even a full month, uh, let alone three months or so. But some of the places on my list, uh, Chiang Mai, I'd love to check out. It's in Thailand. Um, I'd like to check out Bali. I hear Bali's cool. I've never been to Seattle, so I'd like to see that. There's some, still some places in the States I've never been. I've never been Cal- to California at all. Like, no part of California. Um, 
I'd like to spend some more time in Boulder. I might be spending some time in Portland soon. A friend of mine is subletting her house. The only thing is I just signed a lease here in New York, but to be honest, I'm not really feeling it. I don't like this apartment. I love Portland. I have some friends there I'd like to hang out with. Uh, I'd like to explore Portland more. So, you know, maybe I do that for a while and plan out my, my, my trip around the globe. I don't know. So I have this app on my phone for, um, for, uh, it just kind of generates random topics, random words. Uh, I'm going to try it out and see if I can make anything, uh, out of it for, for the sake of this podcast. Let's try it. So there's a section called concrete nouns. Oh, and the app crashed. Not a good start. Let me try again. App crashed again. All right. So instead of concrete nouns, let's try abstract nouns. All right. Number one, it gave me three. So I have dexterity, sorrow, and hatred. How interesting. What an interesting idea. So dexterity. Let me see if that spurs anything in my mind. I have a condition that I recent, that until very recently I thought was an official diagnosis. It's called nonverbal learning disorder. But I just recently found out it's not in the DSM, which is the Diagnostic and, Statist- diagnostic and Statistical Manual. It's the standard reference for diagnosing psychiatric and neuropsychiatric conditions. Um, anyway, nonverbal learning disorder is not in there. It's an interesting condition, and I do seem to have it to the extent that it is a thing. Uh, it's a right-sided brain dysfunction. It's essentially where the left side of your brain works particularly well, so you're good at things like verbal intelligence and language processing and memory, but the right side of your brain which handles nonverbal tasks, you're going to have some deficits. In my case, no sense of direction, for example. Um, for other people, it could be it could be different things. It could be dexterity. You know, I've heard of people who can't tell left from right. I know one such person who I work with who, who by all, I mean, she seems to me to be more or less a genius, and, and, and she has this flaw, which makes it all the more interesting. She She doesn't know which is left and which is right. So interesting. I know of one other person like that, uh, Penelope Trunk, who is uh, a woman with Asperger's syndrome, which technically doesn't exist either. It's no longer in the DSM. Um, So I guess you could say now she has some form of autism spectrum disorder. I think that's what it's been replaced with. Anyway, she is very capable, very smart. She's a successful blogger and business owner and a life coach and consultant and she 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 has trouble with left and right as well it's fascinating uh but anyway as far as dexterity my dexterity my dexterity is actually pretty good i i spent a lot of time playing guitar uh some would say i play guitar well i've done other things that involve dexterity uh i don't know to what extent jujitsu would be considered dexterity versus coordination but that's more large large motor skills gross motor skills versus the fine motor skills of guitar um, but yeah, I don't think I have a lot of trouble with dexterity. Sorrow and hatred. I don't really have anything to say about sorrow. Hatred is one that... I don't really feel hatred for things. I, I use the word in conversation sort of loosely, like I might hate the weather one day, or I hate Donald Trump or something, but I don't actually hate anything or anyone, uh, so far as I know. And that's not because... Uh, I'm some kind of a transcendent spiritual being or, or a hippie or something. Uh, 
which you know more power to you if you have some way of 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 overcoming hatred by being a hippie or, or a buddhist or whatever that's cool but that's not really the case for me i think it's more perspective you know i i've i kind of I do a lot of work on myself, you know, I, I, I'd like to improve myself and get better at being me, and um, a lot of that has to do with, with, you know, you end up doing a lot of introspection and, and self-analysis and external analysis, extraspection if that's a thing, which it's almost certainly not, but if there's one thing you get from all that, it's perspective, and perspective helps with any other problem that you have or anything you're trying to improve upon having a, a different framework or a fungible framework or a framework that you have some input in or that at the very least that you maintain that you, you 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 grease the squeaky wheels and you dust out the corners of that framework that perspective that you have in the world um, yeah anyway I don't I don't really have hatred I have things that bother me you know like uh, a lot of political things will bother me uh, to the point of anger, there aren't many things that make me like physiologically angry. You know, like when your heart's going, you can feel the adrenaline pumping out of your your, your kidney region. You get that weird feeling in your sides. I don't know if that's adrenaline, by the way, but I know the adrenal glands are on top of the kidneys, so I wouldn't be surprised if that's actually what the sensation is. But um, yeah, work stuff sometimes really makes me angry, and I think I think that's because. You know, work is stressful. It makes everybody angry to some extent at, at, at different points. But, you know, it's a, it's, a, it's a fundamentally unnatural situation. And that that adds a little strain. And, and people like me who have maybe not the best executive function and self-control and, and patience. I'm not a very patient person. Um, maybe we're a little more prone to stress of that sort. And then when things don't go quite right uh, or if they go quite wrong in fact, then it's easy to respond angrily because you have a situation where you've already got some tension and then and then something kind of sets you off. Even then, though, I don't have hatred. Like, there, there are people I've worked for. Everybody's worked for assholes before, right? And there's people who I've worked for. I mean, there have been multiple jobs that I, that I, I quit. I walked out on. Uh, one, I, I, I literally told my boss, fuck you, and flipped him off and left. Actually, I think that happened twice, actually. But even then, I don't hate them. I, it's just the situation had, had come about in, in such a way that we, we got to the point where saying fuck you and, and flipping them off and leaving it was the right thing to do. That, that, that was the appropriate thing to do in that situation. But I didn't, I didn't hate them. They bothered me enough that I cussed them out and left. They bothered me exactly that amount and, and no more. So, yeah. All right, let's generate some more abstract nouns. You know what, let's try concrete again. No, crash the app. So, we'll try abstract. Pleasure, principle, and apprehension. Pleasure makes me think of, of hedonism. Hedonism. So there's this, this you know, the hedonist, the, the term hedonism, we, we usually think of, of just a fat, lazy person sitting around doing nothing but, but seeking pleasure and, and having no morals or, or, uh, or drive, etc. It's altogether negative. But I think that the original idea behind hedonism back in ancient Greece, I think it was a, a fairly legitimate uh, construct. I think it was the idea that, uh, if I remember this correctly, it was the idea that there's, 
a lot we don't know, and it's hard to know if we know anything. So this would be dealing with epistemology uh, in, in philosophy. That's the main of the five branches. That, that's the one dealing with, with truth and, and questions of truth. What can we know? Is there anything that we can know? Is there truth? If so, do we know what it is, or can we know what it is, etc.? Anyway, so they, they, you know, they, they took the experiential, the experiential aspect of existence as opposed to the phenomenological aspect, which would be more about experiences external to yourself. But, but the, the experiential aspect, you know, there's a couple things you, you, you can say for certain exist, like pleasure. You, you know that there are things you enjoy. You know, there's other stuff that's more abstract, good and evil, God, uh, gravity. That's a whole different thing. What the fuck? What is up with gravity? You know, that's, that's actually a really tricky one. But anyway, pleasure, pleasure we know of, and pain we know of. Uh, sometimes things get blurred. Something that hurts could become pleasurable later, and vice versa. Sometimes something is both pleasurable and painful at the same time. But we do know that, that some things make us feel good. And the hedonists, again, I might, I might be mis, misremembering this, but I think the idea was that the hedonists said, well, there's a lot we don't know, epistemologically speaking, metaphysically, ethically, all these other things, but... We know pleasure is a thing, so let's pursue pleasure and avoid pain, and that, that could be our life philosophy. Now, I actually think some form of that might be legitimate. I think that that, that could be a, a principled and positive way to live. Where you can run into trouble is mostly in the abstract. I don't think in the day-to-day, unless you're dealing with very dumb people, for the most part, I don't think that the problems that you encounter are, are that real. So, for example, uh, you know, you could end up, if you over-pursue shallow pleasure, uh, like food and drink, for example, which is something people do anyway, they don't have to be hedonists philosophically in any kind of sophisticated way to do that. But if you do that, then yeah, that, that's, a, that's not a good thing. That's going to be a negative experience. Uh, but if you look at the, the bigger pleasures and the more uh, profound and fundamental and sophisticated pleasures the more complex ones it's sort of like uh, you could drink the cheapest wine you could find that you get at the gas station and get drunk and you could even enjoy the, the taste to some extent but if you develop a sophisticated palate and you and you research vintage and geography and history and you know the the botany involved if you know if you gain Again, it comes down to perspective largely, but if you gain a lot of information about the wine that you're, that you're drinking or that you might be drinking, then your experience of it becomes more profound. And then by, by learning more and more about the pleasure that is wine, you, you become less likely to overindulge in, in, in the more debasing and base wine experience of just chugging gas station wine. You know, Not that there's anything wrong with that. I've certainly done it before and I'll probably do it again. But getting really appreciating the pleasure of wine and the, and the possibilities raises you to a different level of sophistication and, and experience where it's, it's, it's a positive thing. Uh, it, it, it enhances you intellectually, physically, all kinds of different ways and doesn't really cause the same problems as overindulgence in, in the baser form of that same pleasure would. And that's just one example. I mean, we could take it to, to ethics. So, 
one of the things I, I, I think about a lot is how can I make the biggest impact on the world? How can I help the most people? Uh, but even beyond that, how can I help people for generations to come? You know, And it's largely a, a question of pleasure. I want to do that because it makes me feel good. Uh, maybe the, the logic is a little twisted, but I mean... You know, I want to do it because that's what I want to do. And I, somebody could argue, well, if I'm compelled to do that, it's because I'm a certain kind of person. And other kinds of people are compelled not to do that. And they get pleasure from, from very different things. And I would say that's true. But again, a lot of that's because I've taken the time to work on myself and develop my personality through experiences and, and learning and, and thinking. So, you know, anybody can, can do that. Granted, to a greater or lesser extent. But... Long story short, I think that hedonism, as a principle, um, can be very positive. I think there's a case to be made for it. I don't think it's the ultimate answer, but I don't think anything is. I think we have a lot of different models that can work, depending on how you look at them. I've said before that I think of philosophy as, as a very much a matter of implications and, lit- and limitations. Implications and limitations. Uh, so you can take any idea you've got and really push it and find its implications and its limitations. And things get pretty interesting. And in looking at my app, pleasure and principle were the, the first two words, and I, I've covered those. The last one is apprehension, and I'm just going to skip that because I think this is a wrap. Uh, I'm going to check on my internet. I think I'm still in an outage, so maybe I'll read a book or something. But this has been fun uh, chatting. We'll catch up soon. Thanks for listening. Ciao.